0: you want to get in on the action we want to hear from you email us at fade route mail at gmail.com with your questions comments picks segment suggestions you name it we want to hear from you we're on instagram too slide in our dms at fade route podcast get at us a little blue birdie told us we're on twitter now Give us a follow at Fade Route D N Z. Get at us.
1: This is most atypical. i want to kick it up a little bit.
0: We are the New York Knicks. 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 New York Knicks. They go New York! Go New York! Go!
1: We three pointers and we're running fast breaks. And if your defense makes a mistake, then bam, 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 bam. This is a team you don't wanna miss. We are New York. We are the New York Knicks. Go New York! Go New York! Go! Go New York! Go New York! Go! Say Go New York! Go New York! Go! go, New York, go. go, New York, go.
0: <laughs> Welcome to The Fade Route with D and Z. Here are your hosts, D and Z. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of The Fade Route with D and am Z and... Blink and you miss it. January's gone. February's gone. We are now in... March, And you know what's marching on right now? Major League Baseball spring training is marching on towards opening day. And we do have a little bit of breaking news today as Yankee manager Aaron Boone has announced he's going to take a leave of absence from the team in order to have a pacemaker put in. Now, his career was severely shortened by open heart surgery that he did have when he was a player and at 48 years old it's definitely something you need to take seriously Um, Carlos Mendoza the bench coach has stepped up he will be the interim manager until Aaron Boone gets back and we do wish Aaron Boone a speedy and and quick return but Definitely take your time. As somebody whose parent had a pacemaker inserted, you definitely need to make sure that you are 100% healthy for the grind of a major league season and the stress that it puts on you mentally and physically. Not to mention the unforeseen... Issues that could happen. I remember when my dad got his pacemaker put in, he actually got an infection in the wires. And that put him down for an extended period of time. And it since it really affected his cognitive ability as well as his ability to speak and move. And it was just it was a long layup for him. So And he wasn't even, you know, at one point a professional athlete. So I know Aaron Boone plays basketball. I know he keeps himself in decent enough shape. But don't rush it back. You know, your health comes before your job as manager of the Yankees. And from a serious standpoint to a little bit less serious, but definitely important issue... That came up recently. Major League Baseball is now reinstituting video after last season where hitters combined for a league wide 245 batting average. They have not learned their lesson. Rob Manfred, Tony Clark, the players, they have not learned their lesson from the Astros cheating scandal. Yes, it has been modified. Catcher catcher signals are going to be blurred out, but it's just a slippery slope. Who is to say that you cannot interpret what you're seeing regardless of whether or not you can actually see the catcher's fingers? You can see tendencies. You can see everything that you could see before. So, the only thing that's missing is the actual sign. So, you know, the Astros are going to have to bang a little bit louder on the garbage can this time. So, I don't think it's necessary that players have access to this stuff during the game. Because it, it it takes the sportsmanship out of it, in my opinion. Playing baseball is a game of adjustments. And if you cannot make an adjustment based on what you see and what you feel you do not belong on the diamond and for it to be the crutch that it has become i just think it has cheapened the sport and hopefully these players can get better at their jobs because at the end of the day That's all it means is that you're not good enough at your job to survive without something like this. And here he is. I've known this guy since our days on Carousel Shoes. Flight crew and through the last QB in St. John's history. What's up, D? How's it going, man?
1: Hey, you know, I I felt the same way you did. I actually think I texted you as soon as I saw them release their PR statement on video in the dugout. They just didn't learn their lesson. I mean, this is going to go right back to being manipulated or you're telling me somebody in IT for one of these teams can't figure out how to unblur <laughs> the catcher right. signals and you know I saw Tony La is saying you know it, 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 it's trouble for the player to have to go into the dugout to watch it back and then come back into the dugout he loses his feel for the game it's like Tony you were recording signs in the outfield back in the 80s like don't even <laughs> give me that man don't even give me that so um i agree with you i think you know they i understand technology has evolved but for that matter why don't you just go to headsets for the the pitcher and for the catcher and let them just say the signs or say what they're going to throw next i don't agree with being able to look at tablets or look at phones or have act the same access that fans do i i agree with you it needs to be a feel for the game um the pitcher and the catcher should have an advantage and they shouldn't have to worry about people being able to pick up on tells or even just steal the signs with a the, with the video camera.
0: No, totally. And, you know, it also, like, we know that baseball is a game of cheating. So let's go back to old school cheating. When a pitcher is tipping his pitches, just tell your teammates, oh, he's dropping his glove when he throws the curveball. Keep an eye out for that. You know, it's just it's it's low tech, but it worked, you know, and to, to go back to the Aaron Boone thing, how much of an effect do you think this is going to have on the Yankees with Carlos Mendoza being the interim manager as opposed to having Boone having the continuity and now Mendoza, who has never run, been the guy to run a spring training camp as the head cheese. Like, how do you think this impacts the Yankees, if at all?
1: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure it does. Uh, we've come pretty far in our ability to get people to rebound from large surgeries, from minor surgeries. I think Boone will be back in time to put his stamp on the team. Uh, he's had this surgery before, I believe. I think he had heart surgery about 10 years ago, 2009. Mm-hmm. Uh I have people in my family who have had it, and the recovery takes a while, but you do get back in the saddle. So I don't believe they're going to miss a beat. Uh, players today are pretty savvy and pretty set in their routines. It's not like he's really out there teaching them how to catch fly balls and how to adjust to pitchers' pitches. A lot of Aaron Boone's work will come in the season making adjustments and, and making changes to the roster.
0: No, oh, Definitely. I mean, he definitely is uh, the stamp has already been put on this team, but I mean, how much of a, I mean, this is really going to expose, I think the dirty little secret that Aaron Boone doesn't really manage the Yankees. And I, and I hate to, you know, he's going in for surgery and I hate to be that guy, but it's, it, you know, this is time forget Carlos Mendoza. Isn't it time that Cashman just puts the pinstripes on and goes down and manages the team? Cause you know, he's wanted to for years.
1: Yeah, he's he's a little booger. I feel like uh, I'm so surprised he's been able to stay there that long. But he, he has delivered, you know, six championships. So right. uh, he's definitely has a knack for his job. But if, when you think about it, he might have always wanted to get down there and coach the team. But it's so much better to coach it from up in the skybox, right? It because, does. You
0: have that guy in the middle right. that you can blame.
1: That's right. That's right. So I'm not sure how much he would want to take that on. It's so much better having a Girardi or a Boone as his fall guy. You know, he tried to do that with Torrey, and Torrey just wasn't having it towards the end of his career, and which is why he kind of got the boot. So as much as he does want to manage this team, uh he enjoys being the puppet master.
0: No, definitely. And and we've gone over this a bunch of times. Like how does Cashman keep his job? And another guy who we wonder how he keeps his job is Brett Gardner. He's back in campus. Oh God. <laughs> I don't understand the love for Brett Gardner, but um I mean his role seems to be marginalized this year. They they seem intent on giving Clint Frazier the job. It's his to lose out in left field. So I mean, we'll see what happens, but it is amazing to me that allegedly he had offers from three other teams or at least interest from three other teams.
1: Allegedly is the key word there. I don't know anybody who needs him on their team. Uh, I'm convinced that he cannot hit off of left-handed pitching and that he just guesses at where the ball is going to hit and just waves the bat there and hopes for the best. I really never understood – their infatuation with him, as well as their infatuation with uh, Aaron Hicks. I just yeah. never, never understood it. Uh, and even when they picked up uh, McCann, when McCann was a free agent after he left the Braves, after, after I think it was after he left the Braves, I didn't understand that either. It's like, who are you bidding against? Like, nobody wants this man. I don't, <laughs> I don't really, yeah, go ahead, take him. Like, <laughs> yeah. no. who, are you, who, are you, who are you fooling here? So uh, I don't um, I don't know, but I guess they're banking on Aaron Hicks getting hurt at some point, and Brett Gardner having to play center field.
0: He's going to have to because there's nobody else on that roster that can. So right. unless right. they, you know, unless they have somebody in the minor leagues that's ready, Esteban Florial is still dealing with visa issues. Uh, you might have somebody, you know, just a backup outfielder that can do the job. But oh, I don't know. I don't see it. I mean. It's just not there. It's time for the fading where we give a nod to the trending sports stories of the week. And speaking of a market that wasn't there, uh, J.J. Watt has come to terms with the Arizona Cardinals After the rumor mill had him to a bunch of different teams, they had him in Green Bay. They had him in Buffalo. We tried to, at least I did, tried to get him to go to Pittsburgh. Um, But he ends up in the Valley of the Sun. Two years, $31 million. 23 of the $31 million guaranteed. I don't get it. That's just me. But does J.J. want, and specifically pairing him with Chandler Jones... Make the Cardinals a Super Bowl contender.
1: This got me so fired up. I remember when I saw it, I, I immediately started texting you. I was like, "I like JJ Watt, but this this is such a joke." I remember when he asked to be released; that he was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm getting all these offers." We heard him say. Not we didn't hear him say, but we heard there were rumors that the Bucs were interested. There were rumors that the Dolphins were interested. There were were rumors that the Green Bay Packers were interested. Then somebody really went to bat and said, oh my gosh, I think he's going to go to the Cleveland Browns. But no, the place he really wanted to go was Arizona. Free agency is crazy, he said at one point after getting released from a team that won all of four games and finished in third place. So he signs with a team that finished in third place again. And not only that, but they're probably the third or fourth best team in that division. Am I missing something? The 49ers are a year removed from the Super Bowl. Both the Rams and the Seahawks were played very well this year. So what I just don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy that. There was such this huge market for JJ Watt. Maybe he was just saying he was, oh, free agency is crazy because some team decided to offer him a two-year deal with $20 million guaranteed. Maybe that was the crazy part of free agency. I just don't get it. I don't buy it. We've been saying this from the beginning. He's on the, de- I think he's on the decline. So just so everybody has an idea, the Arizona Cardinals finished in third place in their division last year. So did the Houston Texans, the team he just left. Other notable teams that finished in third place last year that I don't know maybe would have wanted JJ Watt's services: the New England Patriots, mm-hmm. the Cleveland Browns, the LA Chargers, the Dallas Cowboys, the Minnesota Vikings, mm-hmm. the Carolina Panthers. Yep. Out of all those teams, what Arizona is probably the third worst. I don't know. I don't buy it. I don't think there was a market for him. I don't think – how does this Ari- how does this make Arizona a Super Bowl contender? If anything, I'm kind of questioning this owner's move. Is like this is where you – this is the direction you went? You went and got J.J. Watt? Like how's – I don't know. Whatever.
0: I don't see it as a huge upgrade either. I mean it's great that he has somebody that he can pair off of. I mean Chandler Jones was already a beast. He didn't need J.J. Watt to kind of bookend him, which is the interesting thing. But this may, I mean, on reputation, J.J. Watt may demand a double team. But honestly, schematically, I would double team Chandler Jones and I would dare J.J. Watt to come at me. That's just me. I mean, if he can even make it on the field. Uh, He's not Jaron Allen. Let's be real here. So, yes, the Cardinals are on the come compared to some of these other teams, especially with they have the quarterback, or at least they think they have the quarterback. They have a good running game. They have a good defense. Vance Joseph coached them up. Buda Baker is a stud. Ed, uh, Simmons is a stud. You, you have players. Peterson, Patrick Peterson's there.
1: You, you have I think guys. he's, he's going to get cut, though. I think Peterson's going to get cut. Yeah. But to be fair... He does get his share of double teams, but this move is all about money. There's no way you want to go to the Arizona Cardinals in the NFC West because you think you believe in Kyler Murray because they have D-Hop. I'm not buying it. I don't buy it at all. You're telling me if the Green Bay Packers weren't interested in you? a team that just went to the NFC Championship game that has problems on defense, that's not where you want to go. You don't believe in Aaron Rodgers in the town or the place you went to college? I believe he even grew up in Wisconsin? Mm -hmm. Don't buy it. Cleveland Browns, third place, 11-5 last year. Got bounced out in the playoffs by the Chiefs, and they were in that game in the first half in an up-and-coming division where the Steelers are on the decline and Baltimore, we have to see what's going to happen with Lamar? The Miami Dolphins, with all their money and all their
0: draft picks? And they opened that's up not... even more. They cut Kyle Van Noy. They opened up that, even more money.
1: That's not appealing to you? They came in second? So, I mean, no, JJ. Yeah, so no, JJ. I don't buy that the market was that great for you. I believe you went to Arizona because their owner flew and picked you up on a private jet and gave you $23 million guaranteed. I'm sure all the other places were offering you a one-year deal, incentive heavy, that required you to play more than 10 games.
0: That had to be the thing. God knows what he was going into these negotiations asking for. I mean, he's 32 going on 52 in NFL years. Like your body – his body's been beaten up so much that you cannot expect to get a 5-year contract or 4-year even a 3-year contract you just you're you're setting yourself up to get lowballed and but we came to this consensus when we first heard he got released 2 years maybe or 1 and 1 and an option if he can actually make it through a season so he got his money. Congratulations, JJ. You $23 million is nothing to sneeze at. You know, people go to Arizona to retire all the time. So good for you. And the only one I feel bad for here is Larry Fitzgerald because it's just going to be another disappointing year for him. And it's going to be, it may be his swan song and he's not going to go out any better than he came in.
1: No, I give bravo to JJ Watt's agent who really talked it up, really <laughs> talked the big game and and got people thinking like JJ Watt was was really worth all this. If you think about it, this man played 10 years in Houston. Yep. They could have they could have tried to trade him. They didn't. They cut him. Because he asked to be cut and they were like, "Yeah, you know what? What are we going to really get for this guy?" And the Arizona Cardinals came in and offered him $20 million or $23 million guaranteed. Seriously, over or under 10 games for J.J. Watt next year. I'm taking the under.
0: I got to take the under. You have to take the under because he has he's not the guy that was multiple-time defensive player of the year anymore. He just isn't. And there's absolutely – I mean, unless they have some miracle strength and conditioning program out there that's going to, you know, reverse the effects of age – I don't see it. I just don't. Speaking of talking a big game, Tua Tunga Vailoa has been saying some things that might sound a little crazy in reference to his former teammate at Alabama and current draft prospect, Mac Jones. Tua actually had the temerity to say that Mac Jones is a mobile Tom Brady. In your opinion, is Tua onto something, or is he on something?
1: This was another one that got me fired up, too. I, I remember, This is another one I kind of talked about in our production meeting. It's like this. If I'm, if I'm the general manager of the Miami Dolphins, after I hear this statement, the next day I'm making two phone calls. The first phone call I'm going to call the Houston Texans and say, <laughs> listen, I'll give you whatever you want for Deshaun Watson, and I'll throw in Tua as a kicker. The second call I'm making is to Pro Health down in Miami to set Tua Tonga Viola up for a CT scan of his head. (laughs) What the hell are you talking about, man? what What are you What are you comparing him to? Like what? What numbers? Do we want to read the numbers? You want to talk about Brady's college numbers? You want to talk about Brady, the seven-time champion? Sounds like I feel like he's like Ric Flair at this point. Woo! He's a legend. You're comparing Mac Jones to a legend. This is just a joke. I was looking at the numbers and I wrote them down, and then I stopped because I it's just, it's just silly. Now, to give him, to be fair, to be fair, I do. From what I understand, I think it was either Mel Kiper or somebody else did change his words a little bit on this and said it's more about his spirit. And his fiery competitiveness—that that's what he takes from Brady. It's like Tua, what do you know? Did you play with Brady? Have you been in the locker room? Right. What you watching NFL films? Like I understand you want to boost up your your backup because that's what Mac Jones was for you in Alabama. He was your backup. I understand you're trying to get him burn and you're trying to get him play. But in my opinion. Tua lost all credibility with me and won't ever listen to anything he says about any player or any status or anything he he thinks is football relevant because of a statement like that. You don't say stuff like that. That's that's, That's just blasphemy.
0: You have two sucker teams out there that will believe this hook, line, and sinker. You know it, and I know it. First one is the Chicago Bears. I mean, they bought on Mitchell Trubisky. So they don't have a leg to stand on when they could have gotten Patrick Mahomes in that same draft and the other sucker ass team that could possibly.
1: <laughs> know exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> the
0: New York Jets. Yes, Joe <laughs> Douglas, you better not. You better not listen to Tua Tunga of Do your own independent investigation and then make your decision. Shit. If I was him and I'm in the, I'm in the Catbird seat, I'm calling Seattle and I'm like Russell Wilson for the number 2 pick. Boom. Like that's me. If if I'm in his position, I'm trading the pick anyway. I'm just I want the best package for him, but I can totally see him going best player available and taking Jones at number 2 just based on reputation. Now maybe Tua was talking about body type. Cause I saw a picture that was floating around on the social media It was, you know, split in half. It was Brady from his, from the combine and Mac Jones. And there's a lot of fluff on both of them. So (laughs) maybe that's what they were talking about. I mean, it was before TV 12. It was before the avocado ice cream and Alex Guerrero. And, you know, you know, Tom Brady started, you know, pretending he was Benjamin button. Um, Mac Jones (laughs) is a lot. I mean, he is, in my opinion, the most pro-ready in terms of the offense he plays in. But do not throw out the name of Tom Brady. Legends. No, Dude, it, it's I'll like saying it, it's like saying some schmuck kid out of high school who's number one taking number one in the MLB draft is Babe Ruth. You just stop. don't do that. It's blasphemy. Just, just stop. Just stop. You're, you're
1: embarrassing yourself. You're embarrassing. And granted, I'm not. I'm actually not trying to shit on Mac Jones because I actually thought he was a phenomenal college player. I mean, for three years, 30 games, 413 completions, 77% completion, 4,500 yards, 56 touchdowns, and only seven picks. Amazing. Great. Great college career. Do not pick, compare a college career to Tom brady at any level i don't want you comparing him to his college his pro nothing there is no resemblance i don't i don't want to hear about fire i don't want to hear about competitiveness i don't want to hear about body type play you play quarterback that's the only thing you share in common with tom brady
0: exactly if he can have the career that is a 10th as good as tom brady you got something special
1: so he's a good yeah he's a good player he's got promise he, i i would yeah, I I don't know if I can, I don't know if I could really compare his game to anybody. Um, but he's got the goods. He could deliver the football. Can can he lead a team? I don't know. I mean, he's coming from a place where he played with the best athletes in the nation. Right. So what happens when you go to a Detroit or what happens when you go to a Philly? I don't know. I don't know if you have that kind of talent. That takes time. Tom Brady? Come on,
0: man. I mean, we know that Matt Jones is a leader of college kids. We don't know if he's a leader of men. And one guy that's determined that we have determined is a leader of men is Wa- the Washington football team's Alex Smith, the Comeback Player of the Year. In a GQ article, actually shed a little bit of light on the acrimonious relationship that he and Ron Rivera and his staff had where they didn't really want him to kind of do what he did. They didn't even want him taking part in drills because they didn't know what they had and they didn't really get behind him until they were forced to get behind him. And then they went with Taylor Heineke anyway, in that playoff game where we both think that he is going to get cut. He hasn't been cut yet, at least not to my knowledge, but, he still has something left to give maybe not as a starter, maybe as in a Josh McCown player coach kind of role, but where is Alex Smith's next desti- next destination in the NFL?
1: Yeah, I, I looked at it and I, I like the idea of him going to Jacksonville. Uh, I think that's the best spot for him. It kind of brings his career full circle because he'll go back to playing for urban Meyer, who is his college coach uh and he'll give he'll teach Trevor Lawrence the ropes of playing quarterback, calling plays, uh, and being a pro. I think people lose sight of how valuable that is. Alex Smith was in Kansas City for Mahomes' first year mm-hmm. and kind of showed him how to be a pro. And and even till this day, Mahomes kind of gives Salute to Alex True. Smith. And man. even in
0: San Francisco, he mentored Colin Kaepernick. So when Ka- Kaepernick led them to the Super Bowl, Alex Smith was there.
1: I'd say my second choice would – I know I know it sounds crazy, but hear me out. I actually think Detroit would be a good place for him because they just got Goff, who has a live arm, but he's, he's just having trouble at this point in his career, somewhat like Carson Wentz is having trouble, and now he's moved on to the Colts. And I think one of the things Alex can show him is, again – how to be a pro, how to manage situations, how not to turn the ball over, how to give, how to take what the defense gives you. These are invaluable things that can be taught by a guy who's been in the league for more than 10 years. And the last place I would, I think is a good spot is Carolina. If Carolina is not able to get the quarterback that they want, whether that's Watson or whether that's Wilson and they, they want to tr- they want to draft somebody. I don't think it hurts to pick up an Alex Smith for a little bit more than the veteran minimum. Teddy Bridgewater is a good player. He could get hurt and Alex has the ability again to he's not going to turn the ball over. He's going to make the right play. I was surprised that his record in Washington was so many games over 500. I want to say he was like 11 and 5 or 20 and 5 as a starter. Mm-hmm in washington five and, which is really incredible. five and one this year alone yeah so these are the places where i think would be the best for him
0: at this point in time you might be able to get a spot start out of him you may not be able to get a long period of burn just because we were watching him and he was so immobile it was and he has dropped foot it's like you you can't provide that i mean Unless you put him in Indianapolis backing up Carson Wentz with that offensive line to something where you're not, he's never going to get touched.
1: Never. Yeah. yeah,
0: No, he's, he's pretty much done as a long-term starting quarterback. Now, both New York teams could definitely look at him in a backup role. I could definitely see Smith as an upgrade over Colt McCoy, just from the, mind you put alex smith's brain in daniel jones's body and suddenly you have a superstar that's always been alex smith is smith's problem well problem he's never been as talented as the guy that replaced him so definitely carolina although that's only if they don't get rid of teddy bridgewater both of those guys that could be a liability you might be down to your third string quarterback um I could see him definitely Jacksonville just from a personal favor from Urban Meyer just to extend his career and to establish the credibility in the locker room with those players because going back to the Doug Marone and the Tom Coughlin era, that the coaching needs a rehab down in Jacksonville because they were, they were this close to getting to the Super Bowl and they just fell off a fucking cliff. So something something's in the water down in Jacksonville, and hopefully, you know, bringing a guy like Urban Meyer and a guy like Alex Smith could definitely help some things out. And then, you know, if if you're able to, like, if you want to put him in a back row, Detroit would be a okay. Um, Chicago, depending on what they do, if they keep Trubisky and they move on from Foles, you know, Alex Smith would be fine there. Um, Even Miami, if they move on from Fitzy, because Fitzpatrick's a free agent too. Depending on what they do, if they trade for Deshaun Watson or if they keep Tua, you know they definitely could use a veteran presence in there. And Alex Smith definitely fits the bill. And, you know, the Jets, the Jets could always use a backup quarterback because you never know when Sam Darnold's going to get mono again. Or if Sam Darnold's even going to be on this team next year. So, I mean, there are a good 10 teams that you could think of that could benefit from having an Alex Smith on the team, just from that mental preparation standpoint and that professionalism standpoint. So ultimately it remains to be seen where he's going to end up. But I mean, I speak for myself. I know we've talked about in the past. I personally root for the guy just because of what he's done and what he's able to come back from. And I wish nothing but the best for him. So another sneaky place, if Joe Burrow's not ready in Cincinnati, but then you really need to upgrade that line.
1: Yeah. I just, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that those are good spots for him. He needs to go to a place where he's protected and he's mentoring a young quarterback. I don't think he'd be really protected that well in Cincinnati. And I know you mentioned the dolphins. I just don't know if he's the best fit for them, They need like a Fitzpatrick. They need a guy who could really throw the ball. And he's not like that. He's not a gunslinger. He's not a guy who's going to really throw the ball. He's a guy that could just manage the game, benefit from play action, and and a good running game.
0: Well, here's a little out of the box. As presently constructed, what about the Patriots?
1: Yes, I thought about that too. I don't know if Bill Belichick really likes him. I feel like Bill Belichick knows his limitations – and is like, you know, think you think about if he was there this year, you know, instead of cam, uh, they, that wouldn't have worked out at all. <laughs> I mean, I think no, he might've died because, because those guys, those receivers in New England can't get open. Uh, he, he needs somebody to get a little bit open. And in Washington, he had guys getting open. Those guys, those receivers and tight ends there, they're, they're actually pretty good. They're above, they're above average.
0: Speaking of above average, up until recently, they have slipped back to exactly average. The New York Knicks are sitting in fourth place in the Atlantic Division and sixth place overall in the Eastern Conference. At one point, they were in the Catbird seat. They would have actually hosted a playoff series. They were in the fourth seating position. You called this. So I'm going to give you some time. Go ahead. Speak please.
1: I mean, it really just comes down to outstanding coaching. I think Tibbs has really gotten the team to buy in. I said it a couple of weeks ago. The pickup of Derrick Rose is a huge signing. Like This is a guy. It's a former first-round pick. And he knows, how to, he knows how to dribble the basketball. He knows how to make shots. And he knows how to get guys in position to be successful. Obi Toppin is playing very well. He's crashing the boards. He's shown that he he he's shown that he was the best pick for them at the time. They might be two years away from being two years away, as I like to say, (laughs) but they they're definitely in the mix. There's no reason why they don't make the playoffs. There's no reason why they don't host a game a playoff game. There I don't think they have a chance to really win the championship this year, but. They have the players, and they have a good nucleus where they can build around. I love Barrett. I really think he's quickly has been playing amazing, and they have a chance to compete better than they've competed in the last ten years.
0: Absolutely, there are two MVPs on this Nick roster, and one of them isn't even a player. It's Coach Tibbs. He has instilled the toughness. He's instilled the defensive mindset. And he has brought back the attitude and the swagger of what it meant to be a New York Knickerbocker. The other guy on this team who is single-handedly carrying the stats, Julius Randle, was an also-ran with New Orleans, didn't really do anything with the Lakers, and all of a sudden he is now the best player on this team, is averaging almost 11 rebounds a game, 23 points, almost six assists, 48% from field goals. He is the guy. And I don't know if the Knicks really realized how good he was going to be for them when he, when they signed on, I don't know if they really thought that maybe he could have been just, okay, we're going to play him and, you know, we're going to flip him for either a, expiring contract or maybe a second round pick or a G league player or something to kind of further along the rebuild. But he has, he's delivered the goods, you know, along with quickly RJ Barrett is going to be on the rising stars team for the international um, Obi Toppin is going to be in the slam dunk contest. He's been a good, he's been a good addition this year. Nerland's Noel, like as a depth piece, Nerland's Noel is on this team and he's doing a great job. But before I completely blow sunshine up everybody's ass here, the Knicks are at 500. It's 18 and 18. So currently in updated standings, they are actually sitting in the fifth spot. They would face the Boston Celtics in the first round of the playoffs.
1: Which is a team that's really been up and down this year. It's not like they are a world beater They have been. So they would have. Yeah. So they will have an opportunity to, you know, take them five, six games possibly.
0: But one loss puts you back in the eighth seed because they are that tightly bunched together. The Raptors are also at five hundred. Granted, they. The Tampa yeah, Raptors. They haven't played. They played two fewer yeah. games, but they are. They are both statistically at five hundred. Then you have the Heat and the Hornets, both under five hundred, and then you also have the Pacers and the Bulls, kind of like laying in the weeds. If they get on a hot streak, they can easily get into the playoffs. So let's not, you know, let's not say that the Knicks are back to the, you know, the Pat Riley days or the Jeff Van Gundy days or hell, even that one time that Isaiah Thomas got him in the playoffs. It's a long season. We're only there are only 36 games in, but congratulations on where you are right now. Now you got to stay there. That's the thing. You can't fall back if you're the Knicks. Speaking of falling back, Zlatan Ibrahimovic had some rather pointed things to say about LeBron James, particularly regarding his activism in social justice issues such as the George Floyd issue and Black Lives Matter and things of that nature. In an interview, the AC Milan forward reaffirmed his belief that athletes should stick to sports rather than being the face of social justice causes, which, I, which is interesting when you juxtapose that with a an interview he had years ago when people were kind of bashing him because of his last name. And he attributed that to uh, anti, I believe he's Bosnian, anti-Bosnian racism. So I don't know, you would think that it would hit a little bit closer to home for him having experienced it in his native Sweden, but what are your views on this? Do you feel like like Zlatan says that athletes should stick to sports or is there a healthy level of activism that we should expect from our athletes today?
1: Yeah, it was it was a tough it was tough for me when I first heard it. Um I do think professional athletes uh should kind of stick to the plot, you know, should stick to sports in some retrospect. But on the other hand, they have to use their platform to give a voice and attention to things that are overlooked. Sometimes like LeBron was saying, he's like, I'm the voice of children. I'm the voice of, you know, people that are not heard, but I also understand where Zlatan's coming from, where, you know, sports is supposed to bring us together. Sports is not supposed to divide us. I think he- his message got taken out of context a little bit in the way he was saying, stick to what you're good at. Stick to what you are. You're a professional at- be- athlete. Be the best professional athlete you can be. Uh, it's like he, LeBron James wouldn't expect a doctor, a dentist, or a lawyer to come onto the basketball court and tell him how to play basketball. There are things greater than basketball that we don't know all the ins and outs about. We don't know all the ins and outs of politics. We don't know all the ins and outs of being a chef in a kitchen. Uh, So I do understand both sides of the argument. I'm not saying Zlatan was right, but I do get where he's coming from. I agree. I
0: mean, there is, as long as you're informed, I think it is important for you to use the platform, like you said, and definitely drive issues that are important to you. And it's definitely the difference between LeBron James, who is informed and has that level of understanding rather than somebody who's on the outside looking in or, you know, doesn't really have the kind of finger on the pulse. Uh, The best example, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was not, no, yeah. do Republicans yeah. buy sneakers, too, I believe, is the uh, the most famous quote regarding why he didn't he wasn't a political activist. So I understand what Zlatan's saying. And that's a very old guard kind of comment. And and even then like you had guys like Jim Brown. Jim Brown was an activist. So I think it's to each their own. If you are informed by all means, do so. But if you don't know, don't pretend because people will figure it out
1: but he's also probably coming from a country that wouldn't allow him to do those things either. I'm not sure about the politics or, uh, you know, the, the demographic in Bosnia, but um, you know, it might also be a result of that. He's just saying, you know, be, be the best at what you are, leave it to other people to talk about politics and to protest and, and do these things and it's, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a cop out. I think he's just trying, he's just trying to say sports is meant to bring people together. How many people stopped watching football just because players were kneeling during the national anthem here. How many people stopped watching basketball because the players refused to play on certain occasions. He is just, you know, I think that's what he was trying to say is there's a certain level of involvement. You can have, but don't don't take it to the next level. Yeah, I, I,
0: I get that. I, I'm not going to pretend that I know anything about Italian soccer and their politics that goes in with that, but LeBron is very fortunate to have Adam Silver as a boss. Now, Adam Silver yeah. backs the players. He was, I mean, even with Daryl Morey in the incident where he made the comment about Hong Kong. So he's... LeBron is very fortunate that he plays in this league in this time with this GM, with, with this commissioner. So, uh, you know, with, with, as far as Latan goes, like, I don't know, like he's a Swede, but he definitely had the the backlash from the anti-Bosnian sentiment. So I can see where he would personally attempt, feel personally hurt by this. I, you know, you also have the right to believe what you want to believe. So um, yeah, I'm not sure. gonna. I'm go- not gonna knock the guy for believing that this is his. Re- this is his lane. He's gonna stay in his lane. And you know what? That's probably gonna be smart on his end because it, you know, fewer stupid things will be said if you stay in your lane. So, I firmly concur with that kind of sentiment. If you don't know, keep your mouth shut. No, you know. Speaking of not knowing, Baylor and Michigan both lost recently. Baylor got straight up blown out by Kansas, 71-58. to And Michigan, number two in the country at the time, lost to the Illinois Fighting Illini, sneaky number four seed in the country. Does this mean that Gonzaga is the overall number one? Or what can we glean from these losses?
1: It's hard to glean anything this year. Um, Even though Michigan got beat at home last night by the Illini, Illini are the number four team in the country. I actually do think Michigan is the best team in the country. Their wins against Iowa, Ohio State, and Wisconsin – Playing a Big Ten schedule, they have, I think, two games left against Michigan State, which may dictate how this ends up. But I'm going to say Michigan is the best team in the country just because of who they played, who they beat, and their schedule.
0: I agree. I mean, strength of schedule is there. Um, As of right now, Joe Lenardi has Gonzaga number one, Michigan number two, baylor three and illinois four but that can that'll probably change based on the loss so those are your four number ones in your brackets and gonzaga because they're still undefeated you have the overall just because of that situation they don't play anybody they played early on in the year when you didn't know what teams were at the given time now they're in conference play they don't they play cupcakes they're in a conference full of cupcakes and this is why they're always the, the farthest they go is the final four because they're not used to playing stiff levels of competition. If they were able to, st- to schedule better opponents or God forbid, if they moved out of their conference and into another one, into a tougher one, maybe we would see how good they are. But we are, I mean, I don't know anything about this college football uh, college basketball season. I mean, it, it's, it's tough to say because you have momentum being stopped due to coronavirus cancellations. You have teams that you would think would be good on paper because of the one-and-done situation. They're fighting for their, their lives in the brackets. Kentucky is done. So like this is the topsy-turvy college basketball season, and we could possibly see a six seed kind of make a, a deep run in this tournament. And we're gonna see it soon because you know it is, it is March after all. But yeah, I I don't know what Gonzaga is because they don't play anybody, and they.
1: That's the problem with Gonzaga every year, really, is because they of where the conference they come in from. The problem is, is I have, I think they're gonna have tough time beating like an eight seed. Right. If they were to get to that point, you're going to you're going to get some real competition. And it's just so it's just so freaky this year on how teams like Duke and teams like Kentucky, even teams like Kansas, like really struggle. And I don't I wonder what why that happened in this year. It, it, why is it that in a, in a situation where, you know, we limited contact. These teams that are usually, you know, blue bloods, they're usually in the in the NCAA tournament every year for whatever reason, just couldn't get it together. We couldn't get it together in conference play. Couldn't get it together in team play. Uh, it just, it, it's kind of shocking. I think this might be the first time in maybe like 16 years. Duke doesn't make the tournament. They, they, they just lost to Georgia tech yeah. crazy. If they don't, if they don't really get to the title game in their, in the ACC tournament, they're, they're not going to get in, uh, It'll be interesting to see how far Gonzaga can go. I mean, I like Gonzaga. I I actually rock a lot of their gear because I like their logo. But Michigan just seems like a team. Even the Illini, very good team. Iowa State, I mean, not Iowa State, Iowa, good team. So, yep, I'm sticking with even Kansas. Kansas plays well, too. This is the year where you might get a a sixth seed or an eighth seed. That could possibly
0: yeah, win. Absolutely. You all. And you know what? Who's to say? Like we had uh, the George Mason run. We had a but we had a bunch of teams that we could think of. And it wouldn't surprise me. And Valparaiso, Valparaiso. Oh, my God, <laughs> Bryce Drew, ladies and gentlemen. We have a Bryce Drew sighting. Valparaiso. I haven't heard I haven't thought about Valparaiso in years. Or, you know, <laughs> Like it, it's of crazy. You George, said George Mason, that was a run. I mean, last year Texas Tech didn't Texas Tech go to the championship game. Like anything can happen. So, oh, Texas yeah, Tech was. Yeah, good. Unfortunately, Virginia was better, but they're speaking of Virginia. They're I mean they're not anything to write home about either. So I mean, it's this might be the most exciting because anybody can actually win this thing. Like, this may be the most interesting, like those crazy brackets you fill out, you know, like multiple ones losing to 16 seeds and all that crazy shit because somebody's got like a hundred thousand dollar bet on it. Like, we're in a situation where that might actually come true. Like, that's that should be exciting, you know, because this is the one true test where anybody can beat anybody in at this moment. And that's that's a pretty cool thing for college sports.
1: Yeah, definitely can't go chalk this year. Are you in need of air care, maintenance, or service? I have the company for you Air Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling, maintenance, and service needs. Just give them a call at 914 315 1547. Again, that's 914 315 1547 or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that D&Z sent you.
0: Bullshit or no shit? We're going to debunk this week's most controversial sports topics right now. You know the game, boys and girls. We're going to make a statement. And if we agree, it's no shit. But if we disagree, it's bullshit. Statement number one Analytics make baseball worse. Bullshit or no
1: shit? I'm actually, I might surprise you in this. I'm going to go bullshit. And the reason why I'm going to say that is I just think analytics forces teams to counter in different ways. And, for example, if teams are using the shift on your best players, your best players should just be able to go the other way. If the team you're playing against is home run and strikeout dependent, then you should be going small ball on them. If you know for a fact the team's going to be going to their bullpen early, then you should be working counts taking balls, taking strikes, like make the guys work to kind of get you out. Use analytics against teams, use analytics against teams to get them to stop doing it to you. The Yankees and the, uh, the Mets and all the, and the Cubs, they're big analytics teams. And I think that could be a flaw that other teams could totally.
0: And for proper context on this uh, recently, Francisco Lindor of the Mets and Garrett Cole, the Yankees were both critical of the over usage of analytics in baseball quote from Lindor is analytics is taking over the game too much, too much. And Garrett Cole said, I don't want to see that kind of stuff used to make the product worse. And
1: yeah. And this guy was with the Astros. And then he goes to the, the, Yankees. the, the okay, unmitigated
0: gall, right? This guy's got balls the size of grapefruits. Vince McMahon doesn't have Vince McMahon so does have those balls the size of grapefruits. It's Garrett Cole. So I'm so Me tired to. of
1: him. I hope he gets lit well, up. Well, I,
0: I watched his start the other day. I mean, a run on three hits in an inning. He he didn't look that great, but uh, he started out that way last year too in uh, in summer camp. But I'm gonna go no shit on this. A- analytics are definitely making the game worse. Making the game worse because of the over reliance upon it. Like things like spin rate, like th- things that you can tell. Like okay, the guy's got a good slider. <laughs> Like, I don't need to know that it's 300 revolutions per fucking minute. I don't care. Guy's got a good slider.
1: Exit velocity.
0: Right. Guy throws hard. I don't need to know that he averages 100 miles an hour on his Dude throws hard. I can see that. It's going deeper than what's necessary because you can overanalyze. And then you get a situation like Aaron Boone tying it all back into our intro where Aaron Boone – Takes out Davy Garcia for what? For no reason. Oh, oh well, well, the numbers will say it, it blew up in your fucking face. Congratulations. So it's just, it's not a great product. It's an over-reliance upon it. For the guys who value it, great. Don't try and force it on everybody. Not everybody needs that level of information. Some guys just need to know that he's got a fastball. He's got a cutter. He's got a change up. He's got a curveball. I'm good. Let's roll. Like some guys just keep it simple. <laughs> I'll
1: exactly. figure it out. <laughs> but that's the
0: thing. Before analytics, we were the baseball players were able to figure it out. It was called making adjustments. Like they were able to do it.
1: And they're doing it their whole lives, right? They're doing it in little league. They're doing it in high school. They're doing it in college. And all of a sudden, you get on the pro level, and it's. It's gotten to be this, like, it's baseball has become like a game Man. of science. Honestly, of I would love field. to have a
0: high school coach on and see how analytics are influencing high school sports. I would just love to see that.
1: I think I can make that I happen. Know. I Because yeah, you that know
0: what? Happen. I mean, if analytics was around, Kerry Wood isn't throwing 200 pitches in a game. And it probably elongates his career. So in some instances like that, it's protective. But in other stuff, oh, other wood. times it just ruins the game. Like Major League Baseball is being maroon right now.
1: I think that has a lot to do oh, with
0: Oh, he's but. such a putz. Bullshit or no shit number two. Agents should collude, as per NFLPA chair Demoris Smith suggested. Bullshit or no shit?
1: You know, I, I said bullshit. I just, I don't see who this helps. Uh, it's certainly not helping teams with a situation where the salary cap is going down and it's not helping younger players from getting employed. So who exactly does this help if the agents collude?
0: Clearly JJ Watt. That 23 million, baby. It's got 23. Of course
1: it does. I'm going bullshit as well. I
0: mean, they shouldn't, I mean, what do you,
1: then he asked. The, then he asked the Cardinals to retire a number for him. <laughs> like the gall on this man! I, they barely have any retired numbers, and that's the right. one you got to get. We have like eighty numbers. Like, come on! Dude,
0: I don't know, like J uh, JJ. What are we gonna do with you? Fire but me you up, know, man. the player agents should not collude because when it comes around, when it comes around to the next collective bargaining agreement, you're gonna pay for it. So that's the one thing. Your salary cap is going down. I mean, there was no revenue or very limited revenue last year. But where is this magic money coming from? The same thing with Tony Clark and Rob Manfred. Where is this magical money coming from? It does not exist. It's not
1: there. It's t- you're, coming off of, you're coming off of a year where they weren't able to have any fans in the stands. All these teams are basically living off of the TV dollars and you're employing or imploring for the agents to collude more than right. they do already. I mean, most of them do already. So I, I don't know. I just, I, if I'm a young player in the league, I have a problem with this because I'm looking at it, It's like, this is a situation where I can get a job. Like I could sign a deal for 750,000 because JJ Watt got cut or I can sign a I can sign a deal for like a million dollars because Patrick Peterson is not going to be on the team anymore like this gives those players the opportunity it helps the league stay younger not for me the collective by allowing agents to collude that really helps the veterans it helps the guys that have been around that are that are looking to get bigger dollars it doesn't help the young guy who's just starting out or Maybe he was just in a bad situation and just needs to get with a team that suits his skills I understand
0: a that better. a rising tide floats all boats. I get that. But at the same time, a rising tide is not going to come out of an empty ocean. Like, give it a year. Maybe we'll get some people in the stands. We'll get some additional revenue in and then collude and get greedy. Like, you need to understand Man. the situation that you're living in. And Demora Smith has been not great for a while let's just be real here he's, he's not doing a great job as the head of the nflpa but whatever i mean collude away if you want to bullshit or no shit number three last one the atlanta hawks were right to fire lloyd pierce
1: yeah i mean i'm, I'm gonna go bullshit on this uh I, I mean, listen. I expected big things from the Hawks this year, much like I expected big things from the Suns, who are cashing in on that. By the way, I think they're second oh, yeah. in the West right now. Uh, I'm disappointed with their record, but they're still in the mix. Uh, they're they're four and six in their last ten. They're 15 and 20. They're about eight games back. Uh, they haven't played with their complete team all season. Like between all these players that were hurt, they haven't really been able to show who they are. And then you have Hall of Fame coaches like Rick Carlisle and Greg Pop- Popovich coming to the defense of, of Lloyd. But then some are saying that he lost his stars on the team. This is all coming from the franchise that traded mm. Luka Doncic. So, I mean, I don't really know. I mean, so my, my whole thing is is I, I don't think he got a fair shake Well, it makes you there.
0: wonder if Luka would have brought this team up Or if they would have sunk Luka Doncic if he was on this team. You know, maybe we can explore that one day. But I'm going to go bullshit as well. Granted, he was 14 and 20 when they fired him. Career, not great. He was 64 and 120 in his head coaching career. But he took over a rebuilding team. This is what was expected. You're you're not going to get good overnight. He was a culture builder. At least that's what, you know, the idea was. Now, all of a sudden, maybe they were a little bit better than they thought they were going to be last year, and all of a sudden, expectations change, and that's why Nate McMillan is there. Nate McMillan is very much like when Ty Lu became first assistant for Doc Rivers. He was there in case shit went south, and it was the, an easy replacement. A, the numbers are eerily similar. To Ryan Saunders, who we never discussed. Ryan Saunders got canned by the Minnesota Timberwolves, and uh, Nick Nurse's top assistant—his uh, name escapes me right now—but Nick Nurse's top assistant is now the head coach over there. Forty-three and ninety-four for his career, not great. Obviously, it's a murky situation because he was replaced. You know, it's the same organization that his his dad was coaching, and he also. He was an assistant coach in the Washington organization, I believe, when his dad was there. So it's definitely stinks of nepotism. But again, same situation. Stars didn't play. Adjustments couldn't get made. And ultimately, the coach in the rebuilding situation pays for it. But this is a familiar song. But, uh, you know, I... He'll, Lloyd Pierce will get another job. I don't know if Ryan Saunders will, but I, I definitely see Lloyd Pierce getting another shot in the NBA. Um, there was some scuttlebutt that it had to do with his social justice activism, tying it back to LeBron earlier, that he might've been a little too active for Atlanta's liking. And if that's the case, then that's just reprehensible. But if it was just based on X's and O's and losing the locker room, You can't argue at 64 and 120. Order up! Here we go, guys. Order up number two. We are ordering up the American League West today from five to one, from last place to first. Order it up, D. Who you got?
1: Well, I want to change it up a little bit this time because I'd like to start with the team that I think is going to be in first place in that division. And to your, maybe your surprise, I actually think it's going to be the Los Mm. Angeles Angels. I think Joe Madden in his, I think it's his second Second year. Second full year. Second full year. pull hosts his last year. They got the best player in the game in Mike Trout. Pitching staff, I think, is going to come around with Bundy, Cobb, Quintana. I think that they have finally a chance to go somewhere. In um, second, uh, I have the Astros. I think Springer's gone. Correa's often hurt. Altuve is still trying to figure out which pitch is coming next. Uh, Verlander's coming off of some, a serious surgery. Cole is gone. Charlie Morton's long gone. They still have Bregman, but I think it just won't be enough for them to win this year. Um, then we cut into third with the Athletics. The Athletics, the Athletics, right? They're just always dumping talent and trying to stay ahead of the curve. I don't I don't really have much to say on them. Uh, the Mariners, Mariners, I have them being the fourth best team. I think Justice Sheffield. We finally get to see this guy. See if he can play. Uh, Kyle Lewis showed that he belongs in the majors. I think Kalinic, when he comes up, can be a very good impact player. They're two years away from <laughs> being five years away. I think. <laughs> they will come in third. They will come in. Uh, they'll come in uh, fourth, despite their GM's efforts to keep them down. And then. Uh, the, uh, the last team I have here are the Rangers. The Rangers is awful. They're still being led by the strikeout king, Joey Gallo. Elvis Andrus is gone. Mike Fullerwhite is still trying to get out of the first inning of the Braves-Cardinals <laughs> game from two years ago. Uh, Ruffin O'Dor is their best fighter and their best infielder. Chris Davis and David Dahl headline a pretty weak outfield. So I think they will come in last in that situation.
0: We are definitely in agreement about the Texas Rangers. They are going to end up in last place. Looking at the rotation, Kyle Gibson, who was, I think, the number three or four in Minnesota, is their ace. So that tells you all you need to know about (laughs) the Texas Rangers. Um, Closer, who the hell knows? You got me. I I have no fucking earthly clue. Fourth place, I'm taking the Mariners as well. It's the New York Mets show. You got Rafael Montero as their closer. Chris Flexen is in as a non-roster invitee. And he got $4.75 million after one good year in Korea. Chris Flexen is fucking terrible. I would love, I wish that my arm could have held up to where I could be a mediocre fucking player because I could get $4.75 million. Uh, Justin Dunn may crack the the opening day roster. I mean, we already know, they already told us what Kalenic is going to do. You know, Jared Kalenic is, maybe they'll bring him up just to be like, hey, see, he made the club. We weren't going that direction.
1: They talk about him like yeah, he's the and, second coming. Yeah, and you know coming. what,
0: kid? You still got to prove something. So until you prove something, shut the fuck up. How about that? And in that, I mean, they have a good lineup. That's the crazy part. Crawford, Haniger. Lewis Seager that you have players. Evan white is good. I mean, they added depth with James Paxton. Don't start laughing. Don't laugh. James Paxton is back in Seattle. Third place. I'm going to go with the Astros. I think they lost.
1: That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Who would take,
0: who was going to take them? And it was either the Astros. It was either the Mariners or the Mets I heard. And you know what? The the Mets have taken enough Yankee trash in their past, so like it's okay, we're good. the The Astros, I think they lost too much, and not from not so much from the lineup because you still have Altuve, Bregman, Brantley, Correa. Uh, if Kyle Tucker's legit, uh, they're getting Jordan Alvarez back, former Rookie of the Year, Guriel, Maldonado. You have players there. It's the rotation. Like, Zach Granke, okay, Zach Granke is not the Zach Granke of 10 years ago. Zach Granke is a junk baller at this point. Like, you hear that grunt? It's because he's trying to muster up every amount of will possible to break 90 miles an hour.
1: Uh. Uh.
0: <laughs> that steroid jerk. Lance McCullers is your number two, and Framber Valdez, their num- supposedly their number three, has a fractured finger. So, I mean, it's just not there. It's not there this year. Maybe they can turn some of these guys into some reinforcements, but, you know, it's just not there in my opinion. Second place, I like their rotation. I like parts of their lineup. I'm going to go with the Oakland A's. You definitely, I mean, if you're relying on Jed Lowry to do anything, you're in trouble. Well, at this point in his career, Jed La- if Jed Lowry can put his pants on, you're lucky. I mean, Andrews was a sneaky good pickup, I think. Chris Davis, he was okay. He's a DH at this point in his life.
1: Wait, Chris Davis is on the team, Yeah, I know. I'm saying team, they traded
0: Elvis Andrews for Chris Davis. Oh,
1: uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah that's yeah, a good crazy.
0: pickup, in my opinion. You pair him with Matt Chapman, you have a pretty decent left side of your infield. Uh, Matt Olson is underrated as a first baseman. And then Ramon Liriano is one of the best defensive center fielders in the game. It's, you know, which Steven Piscotty are you getting? Are you getting the guy who, you know, tanked in St. Louis? Or are you getting the guy who had a resurgent year? And then their rotation, it's solid Montes, Lizardo, Bassett, right? It's always about health. If they can stay healthy, the A's will do well. But, I don't know. I just don't see it. And they're relying on A.J. Puck. A.J. Puck hasn't pitched in forever. You can't rely on that. And closer, you got me. So if it gets to the ninth inning, I have no idea who's coming Who's coming out of that, that bullpen. Which leaves us in agreement. The number one team, based on what we see right now, is the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Has to be. Has to be. And that's without Otani in the rotation. If you actually are able to channel Otani and put him in that rotation, you suddenly have a very formidable team. Fletcher.
1: They said he's hitting. They said he's hitting ninety-eight. Well,
0: yeah. You, you hope so, and you hope you you hope he lasts longer <laughs> than, a, than a one inning this year. But hey, they got Rysel Iglesias from the Reds. Your bullpen is locked up. Your, your ninth inning is locked up. Last year, Hansel Robles was their closer. You know, former Met Hansel fucking Robles. <laughs> Robles couldn't even get it in the fifth inning when he was in the Met, when he was in the Mets organization. He was closing. He was coming out to the Undertaker's theme. Like, are you freaking kidding me? Dude, I remember when you sucked. Knock it off. It's a, that's <laughs> an offense to the Undertaker. You got Bundy, stud, or stud on the come. Andrew Heaney, we've been hearing about him for years. I like Griffin Canning a lot. I think he's going to be. He's going to be the best pitcher in this rotation. And then you have depth guys. You have Alex Cobb. You have Jose Quintana. You have pitching depth. Joe Madden has that. And that lineup, you know, Fletcher, Trout, Rendon, Upton, Pujols. Rendon. If Jose Iglesias can hit, Close. Dexter Fowler, maybe he'll have a resurgent year. And you know what? If Joe Adele. That's Joe right. Adele, Joe right? Adele Joe is Adele. is going to be up at some point this year. And if they, they just need a catcher because they have Max Stassi, I think is their cat is their starting catcher. But uh, yeah, if they can get somebody else, you know, maybe um, Gary Sanchez, I'm just saying, but um, if they can survive all the bullshit, that's going to come from the Mickey Calloway situation. Cause it's coming I mean, there are more allegations of what happened in Cleveland. So he's probably going to need to step away from that team for them to take the next step forward. Cause I can definitely see him weighing them down.
1: Thanks for tuning in tonight. You can catch our podcast every Wednesday nights on the anchor Spotify or other uh, outlets where you listen to your podcasts until next time. Stay faded everybody.